finish that was to the second tie between New Zealand and Australia that insider job Maddie Green that went past leg stump of Nicola Carey and that was the winning run for New Zealand on the very last ball and they leveled the three T20 series one all welcome everybody to the clean bowl podcast i have with me as usual gomesh and shajin to kind of discuss the second T20i shajin let's come to you first Maddie Green will surely won't. Uh, I mean, will surely love her inside edge more than the middle of the bat, isn't it? Yeah, it was a well executed French cut, if you can say so. At one stage, I thought New Zealand bought the chase with the Katie Martin getting stuck at uh, five of eleven, and uh, that Hannah Rose ten from three of shoot got New Zealand back to the match and. Uh, Once Maddie Green got that extra cover drive of um, Nicola Carey, I thought New Zealand had the match in back. Then again, it went back to three of one. Then that well executed French cut. Well executed indeed. But Gomez, that batting order, that that really is one of the puzzles after probably the Bermuda Triangle, where Katie Martin walks in at five with with what twelve uh, overs or to go the eight. Seven eight overs to go with almost a runner ball needed, and that batting order really needs a look in, isn't it, Gomez? I mean, it's really weird, isn't it? We look from outside and we can see that this batting order is not working. Uh, Haley Jensen at the top was her, her innings was kind of painful to watch the way she was struggling against uh, Shute and Darcy Brown. Uh, Maddie Green, despite doing what she did in the first eighteen, we batted at six or seven today. Uh, Brooke Halliday was promoted instead of her, and Katie Martin came in when it was either Halliday or it should have been Maddie Green. I just hope the experiment with Haley Jensen ends today. Uh, if Devine comes back for the final ODI, she should be opening with Mekhe. Even otherwise, Green should be promoted of the order. But I just hope that despite. Messing their batting order, they somehow managed to win today. But if they don't correct it in the next match, I doubt it will continue. Yeah, and and you would have hoped probably that Divine could kind of return and open with Mackay. But looking at how Mackay struggled with her hamstring, it could probably well be the case of Divine and Jensen opening yet again. But as you said, yeah, it's time for probably Green or Halliday or the likes to kind of open, or if they can even try with. Katie Martin, who probably would be sort of better served batting at during the field restriction, but let's talk about Frankie Mackay's innings there. Shaji, your thoughts on that? Forty-six of thirty-nine, she hit her first two sixes in international cricket. She really looked the part, didn't she? Yeah, Frankie Mackay looked a different player once she got that injury and she started staying deep at the crease and looking to tee off on the on side. Yeah, I loved the way she took on Darcy Brown. Staying deep at the crease and taking on deep mid wicket. Yeah, that assault on Darcy Brown was something, isn't it? Wasn't it, Gomez? Because there, uh, till that point, Brown was almost unplayable because of her high pace. Her top speed was one twenty-two kilometers per hour. She was almost unplayable, but that one over kind of shifted things or changed things as we saw it till then. It was very clear right from the start. Mickey was clearly playing to her strength right from the first ball. She was. Most probably shuffling across for almost every delivery, trying to play in like said as much as possible. Only if she got which she played in the offside, otherwise she was more than happy to flick it, pull it, or do whatever she can in the leg side to score runs. 
but once she got set i i mean i just felt that she was limited for shots and she had no choice but to go she literally slog swept darcy brown for a couple six and a four you know in the same over at towards the i mean slog sweeping some spinner is one thing slog sweeping a pacer who's bowling close to 120 is completely another i mean we have seen it right i mean players whenever they have a little bit of an uh, injury which with which they can bat it, it almost makes them a better batter than they usually are So are you saying every batter should get injured to kind of bat better, or at least in this New Zealand lineup? Not really. I mean, it doesn't work for everyone, but for someone like Mekay, who has the kind plays the kind of shots she does, uh, I I remember Matthew Hayden saying before that 380 he was kind of having an hamstring and he just wanted to go after Roman Bellingham, and that's how he scored a 380 against Zimbabwe and broke their record. So I was just referring to that. Yeah, Mackay of course scored 46, and then earlier she also picked up two for 20 with the ball. That was that was really good to watch her bowl with the spin, isn't it, uh, Sajin? Because she also played a role, remember, in in getting Amy Satterthwaite to bowl. The commentators were saying at that point that she convinced with two left-handers in Beth Mooney and uh, Rachel Haynes in the middle. She convinced Satterthwaite to. Have a go, and that that the whole episode looks so good when it comes off. Yeah, that was a good tactic from Slend. But uh, I thought when they took off Mackay um, after 12th over, it was a mistake. But uh, then they came back with uh, Amy Satterwhite and uh, Mackay at the the overs. So it was a good tactic from their part. But uh, when Haynes was struggling, maybe they could have continued with Satterwhite, both Satterwhite and Mackay at the time. But uh, in the And it all worked out well. Yeah, and it was also a case of only three Aussie bat- batters going on to score, isn't it? Beth Mooney, of course, with that unbeaten 61, and then 27 from Meg Lanning, 29 from Rachel Haynes. Those three partnerships, those two partnerships as well. Have Gomez, you think, have Australia kind of figured out a way to play against Emilia Kerr? Because we, last match we saw her being expensive. Today she wasn't expensive, but also but she remained wicketless. They figured out a way to play her, isn't it? I'm not sure. I mean, uh, they they would have obviously come prepared, but uh, bowlers do learn from their mistakes. And she was better than what she was told in the first T20A, and the pitch was also kind of in the slower side, helping her. And she had two left-handers uh, batting in front of her. I wanted to actually ask you, uh, with Mooney in the middle, would you rather have wanted Gardner to come in instead of Haynes, especially with? Seven overs to go. The kind of knock she played in the first T20I. I was kind of expecting Gardner to come. Are you expecting the same? Because they had they have a long batting order, and even if Gardner fails, then Haynes is there as a safe case for them. I didn't expect Gardner to come in, but yeah, that's a fair point. We could have had Gardner, especially with the fact that she likes to play against New Zealand. She's been scoring runs against them, and the fact that she played a 73 run knock the other day. So. And it was a strong case for her to come up the order, but I think with seven eight overs to go at the point when Rachel Haynes walked in, it was also a case of probably Australia, you know, going for the conservative approach and keeping Gardner for for the death over, so so that she could kind of uh, tee off from the word go. But but like in hindsight, if we talk about, but we discuss so much about New Zealand's batting order that Australian tactics or Australia's batting order almost kind of. Gets left out, isn't it? We like till Gomesh brought that point up of uh, Gardner not coming up. One twenty-nine for four with six wickets in hand. It's almost a low score. You still don't uh, discuss the Australian batting order, the Australian tactics. 
Jess Jonathan not batting, Nicola Carey not batting. Sajin, you have a take on that? I don't know. I don't know if Elise Perry is the right person for number six job. I don't think she's someone who can start from the go. Maybe they should think about having swapping her and Rachel Hens because Rachel Hens has showed in the past her versatility. Maybe they can or maybe they can even try bringing just Jonathan up the order and let her have a go from the start. Well, as long as they win, we don't talk about them, right? That's how it works. Yeah, that's... Fair point there. So, two T20i is done. One series, one all. But we can't close this episode without kind of talking in-depth about Darcy Brown, Gomesh. The first T20i, you almost expressed surprise at the fact that she wasn't handed her cap. Today, she was handed the cap. She really started well. Yeah, I mean... It, it is really a thrilling sign to watch. I mean, as much as there is guile and skill in spin bowling, that is something that excites you when you see a fast bowler running. And uh, you saw the last ball of the first over where she banged in one shot and it went right past McKay's head. And it that that's what you watch cricket for, right? Just the joy of it. Even after the match, when Again, I think my case, I mean, these are the kind of finishes and the matches that you want to be in the sport for, after all. And I I was very impressed with her. This The last over that was bound to happen, it always happens in the T20A format. Uh, one cannot judge by what happened in the f- final over of this her spell today. Uh, the first three was were very promising. But, and uh, it, I was, at one point, I was thinking, okay, if Australia wins, then maybe they can rest shoot and play Tyler and Darcy Brown together in the third team. But I doubt, I doubt they'll do that now with the series on the line. Then yeah, it's almost, again, another fact that slips under the radar almost is Hannah Darlington's presence. Will she get a debut? Because remember, she's almost here with the squad as a T20I specialist. Right then, let's kind of pick the moments of the match for each of us. Let's start with you, Gomesh, which was your moment of the second T20I? I think there were too many, but I will, this time I'll go with Francis McKay. After after the kind of domestic season she had with Canterbury, she uh, deserves what she got today. And uh, I will go with that slog sweep uh, that she swept Darcy Brown over mid-wicket for a match at six. That would be my moment. Shajin, your pick? Uh, my pick will be Hannah Ross 4-2-4 sequence. When um, New Zealand needed run a ball from last eight overs and... Uh, the, those five overs, only 20 runs came from the next five overs. And uh, when, it was, when it was reduced to 19 for nine, Hannah Rowe had the courage to go for the shots than taking a single and giving it to the more experienced batter, Maddie Green. Short behind square luck for four and then the one or two mid-wicket was my point. Yeah, 12 runs in that penultimate over of Megan shoot, of course. It Megan kind of shoot. turned the game in New Zealand's favour. I'm going to pick, I'm going to go with that one bouncer that Darcy Brown bowled to Haley Jensen. She almost executed that pull after the ball passed. So that is my moment of the game because, it's, as, as Gomez has mentioned, it's a different, fun watching Pacers run in and bowl. And of course, Ananya Upendran, who's not here with us, and her hashtag team Pacers also fits well with that theme. Luckily, so I didn't say all, that you would have been accused of. Again, you would have accused me of stealing your <laughs> so kind of you but uh, that's what, what are your moments of the game which moment did you like what was your favourite what was the pick of the game the second T20 do let us know you can write to us at Podcast at www.screenbowlpodcast.com or you can let us know in the comment section as well third T20 is a decider which will be played on Thursday 
you everybody after that game